This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Episode 195, Star Trek Beyond. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. I am your father's best friend, Plumber. Superman. Wonder Woman. Heroes. Villains. Captain Picard versus Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did was that he created something, so we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Hello and welcome back to Strangers and Aliens, the podcast about science fiction, fantasy, faith, imagination, where we take sci-fi and fantasy and we look at it through the lens of Christianity and we take Christianity and we look at it through the lens of science fiction and fantasy. We'll be doing the former tonight as we're looking at one of the flagship franchises in sci-fi currently, uh, and that would be Star Trek Beyond. Hello, I'm your host, Evan David, otherwise known as Enigmatic Evan, as I sometimes go by. And I'm not here alone. Your other host, the host who's been here way longer than me, is waiting in the wings, waiting to strike at a moment's notice. But is, am I here or am I there? Or am I over here? You just don't know because I can't uh, see him. There's like three of me. There's four. Of me. <laughs> there's another one over there. But when, ben, we to, when we try to punch him. Yeah. You can't. Who are you? you can't do it. You can't. You can't hit me. Yeah. Got to uh, find the real one. I'm Ben, yeah. Ben Avery, and yeah. I'm here to talk about some Star Trekking. Are you ready to talk about some Star Trekking? Release the Trekking. <laughs> so, yeah, third movie in the sequel boot <laughs> of Star Trek. And a very interesting movie. There's some things to talk about, I think. Maybe not a lot, or maybe not as much as we'd like in a Star Trek thing, although... Thinking about it, there's about as much uh, meaty stuff going on as you would get like in Star Trek 2 or Star Trek 3 from the original series. I haven't seen those movies in so long, I don't even remember. Yeah, but I mean, there's the, those movies have themes going on. Star Trek 2 has some pretty deep themes about you know go aging and um, uh, new life and, yep. and rebirth and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, primarily, first and foremost, it's meant to be an action adventure. And with you know an action drama, let's put it that way. And I feel like that's what we get here. It's kind of an action drama. And yeah, it may not have the Twilight Zone esque um, big ideas, but you know, there's there's some stuff to think about. We'll get to. We'll get to. There is a Bible verse ringing in my brain as we were watching. That I was just like, oh, they just modeled this nicely for us. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to it. We'll get right. to it. But as usual. When we are reviewing movies like this, uh, we will be doing a spoiler-free up front, and then we will turn on the spoiler organ, let it play, 
and then we will talk about the movie in depth and in detail. So for the spoiler-free part, we're going to talk a little bit about just our um, impressions, initial impressions, but then also uh, some ratings and how and who we would recommend the movie to. And in the spoiler full zone, we will be talking about um, some of the ideas that we see here and some of the plot holes and and or plot non holes non holes so plot flat surfaces that um, <laughs> are there as well and yeah so we'll just we'll go from there so if you've not seen right. the movie you can stop at the spoiler organ and then come back uh, or if you don't plan to see the movie just listen to the whole thing and we'll 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 spoil it but yeah this movie it's interesting it's a they are going back to their roots as far as this is a mission we actually start and they're on year three of the five year mission and the the opening scene is um, um, well, it's Captain Kirk doing a mission on a planet, and the thing, just like the last movie, and, and the thing he's doing it ties into what happens later on in this movie, unlike the last movie. But yeah. then they they go they go on not a shore leave, but they have some um, some time at a space station that's really neat. And then from that space station, some things happen that sends them off into space again into a nebula that has been uncharted. And what are they going to find? And they find aliens. And they find action. Ben, spoilers. And they find adventure. <sighs> and and they, we haven't played the organ yet. They find battles. And they find friends. And they find foes. And from there, that's where I'm going to stop as far as talking about the plot. But Sheesh. you know, this is different than than the other two. The other two were not really about uh, going out and exploring. And going out and finding, you know, new, new life and new civilization. The other yeah. two are, are really more about going out and finding, you know, that enemy that that has something that that's done something, that's stolen something, or that's um, going to steal something, or is trying to hurt people, or you know, whatever. Um, that that's that's not this movie. This movie is more about. I mean, it's still about saving people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's still a an enemy that is a danger and a threat, but there is also a little bit of a sense of wonder and a little bit of a sense of exploration a little bit. And we'll talk more about in the spoiler section, I think, but that's, that's kind of my initial impressions here to try and be as spoiler free as possible. And, uh, yeah, I, I think Evan, what do you, what did you think? Would you, your initial impressions, did you find the movie engaging? Yes, I did, and I would agree with much of what you said uh, as far as your assessment. Um, yeah, I found it very engaging. It's very, it's funny. It's genuinely funny. It doesn't have any random bikini underwear stuff, which is awesome. The first one, first Star Trek reboot cool movie um, without that stuff, so that's nice. Um, and yeah, it was it was they had some great character moments. Uh, you really you get a connection with all the characters except for Chekhov, um, which is unfortunate because well, even him he had some stuff going. Yeah, I mean he was. Yeah, he's, I mean he's he, clearly one of the minor major. He's one of the minor members of the major cast. Yeah, but he always has been. He had stuff to do. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and that's that's typical Chekhov. Yeah. You know, he's there on the bridge doing stuff. Yeah, and I mean, and I I felt the. Uh, the plot and the locations and the things they were doing with that plot 
were, were a nice departure from what we've seen in the other two. Took us into new territory. Uh, and yeah, I thought it was, it was refreshing. It was a refreshing movie. It was a fun popcorn flick. Uh, and it was just nice to catch up with our characters again. And the characters, you definitely get an impression that the writers and the actors have a pretty good handle on their characters yes. and the humor of each character. Um, they all had some moment to shine with a joke or with uh, action beat or a nice and sweet moment with another character. I mean, they had, yep. um, you know, Spock and Uhura have their relationship thing that they are doing, dealing with uh, mm. Spock and McCoy have their banter that they get to have. Uh, mm. The Kirk and Spock friendship is explored a little bit. Um, what else was going on with those relationships? We had Kirk and Kirk and McCoy having some nice dialogue um, and, and some heart to heart moments. That was nice. We have Scotty and, and Kinzer new... who Kinzer. He's a little alien guy. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Scotty. Their little friendship going on. And I was talking about him and the new girl. Oh, that's right. There's a new character named Jayla. Yep. I um, liked her. So when they meet on the planet mm -hmm. and, uh, and then there's the villain. And I'll say this without spoiling it. Uh, the villain was a, for me, nice throwback without being like a con throwback. So it was a, a villain, a sort of villain, a style of villain that we have seen before in Star Trek. But unlike Khan, where it's just totally a, okay, it's a villain from the previous Trek. You know, we've, we've seen this character before in that other universe, but now we're going to see him in this new universe. And... He's British. Um, <laughs> but this this villain, uh, there was a point in the movie where I realized where they were going with him. And I thought, oh, this is I like this because I've seen this kind of thing before. But it's not just, you know, trotting out an old villain that, that everyone liked. Like right. at one point I thought um, it seemed like there were some rumors going around for into darkness i think where they thought maybe garth of izar was coming back or you know one of those classic episode characters that made an impression because not a lot of vi villains returned in the classic episodes there weren't a mm -hmm. lot of sequels within the episodes themselves um except for you know the klingons would come back or the romulans would come back but it right it usually be a different one you know and um in, in this case, you know, I, again, I, like I said, I like the style of villain here, the style of alien threat. Yes, so. and I I did not recollect this sort of villain in the original series, but I haven't watched it in so long. Um, and I don't think I've seen every episode of it, but I I did enjoy this villain. Very, very cool. And uh, I, I didn't think I would. Because St Star Trek, usually, their villains, it's... I don't know. I feel like they are less engaging than, let's say, Star Wars villains, because um, it's just a different humanoid guy with makeup on his face every time, and he's just doing right more instead stuff, of know? a instead well, of I a know, humanoid guy it, with makeup on his face, like they do in Star Wars. Well, they have like elaborate mask thingies in Star Wars, so, mm, so yes, here. it's very different. I know, very different for them to be wearing a mask. Instead of makeup on their face. Yeah. But they can never do anything. Like, at least the bad guys in Star Wars have the Force, and who knows if they're going to shoot lightning and stuff out of their hands. Who knows? But with Star Trek, it's always like... Yeah, with, with Star guy. Trek, it's always like, yeah, we're going to have a villain that represents the metaphor of what we're trying to say with uh, ab about society. Is, and, I'm about just that. making a comment about usually, visually, it's like, meh. But 
I really enjoyed uh, this bad guy. Uh, and that, yes, I thought, I thought the, the things they did with him were very, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, by the way, speaking of villains who are just meh, I was watching the Jason Bourne movies recently. <laughs> All of those villains, they're just so boring and bland because they just look like a regular person. Oh my gosh, man. Without makeup, without uh, laser beams coming out of their eyeballs. It's just not visually mad. striking as yeah, all. Yeah, they saying. aren't. They totally weren't visually striking. They had like, well, one guy had a goatee. Actually, you know who that was that I'm talking about right now? In, in all seriousness. William Stryker? No, the one who had a goatee in in Born. The, the first one? Well, not the first one. Uh, was it the second or third? But the second one is Carl, William Stryker. Carl Urban was the assassin in one of these movies. Oh, I don't who know. Who plays Dr. McCoy in Star Trek. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. He only speaks Russian. It was it took a little while before I figured out who he was, but I did. I, was, I haven't seen those movies in a long time either. Well, Doctor McCoy tried to kill Jason Bourne. Cool. So there hope you they have bring it. in Matt Damon in the next one. He can play Q. He would be a terrible choice for that. Yeah, that would not work for me. <laughs> um, yeah, Q. He was not visually interesting at all. Oh my gosh, okay. I'm yeah. just saying, when Darth Vader walks in the room, you're like, oh snap, something's about to go down. When this guy walks in the room, you're like, oh, is he a henchman or the main bad guy? Oh, oh he's bossing people around, he must be the main bad guy. I'm not saying anything about the writing or about the characterization, I'm just saying the way he looks. That's all I'm saying. Sure. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Grand Moff Tarkin walks in the room, and he... Oh. He is not, not know, visually he, striking at all. He's that guy's not. boring, man. Why do they even have him in there? He doesn't fit in that universe at all. Visually, he's boring, Ben. I'm just saying. <laughs> Darth Vader walks in there. Yeah. Darth Maul walks in there. Yeah. Even Kylo Ren or Captain Phasma or Boba Fett walking in there. It's pretty sweet. Count Dooku, who cares? Interesting. So he whips out the lightsaber and starts lightning people. Interesting. Well, Job of the hut. I'm, I'm, I'm catching. I'm catching your drift. I, I'm, I'm I, catching the wavelength you're throwing me. So, is it a high frequency wavelength? <laughs> we will not get into that until later. Okay. okay. All right. So, uh, that's our that's our first impressions. Um, there are some big ideas in the movie, but they aren't big with a capital B, capital I. They're just there, and they're fairly simple. Uh, we'll talk about them later, but you know, you, you do have the ideas of home and of family and of exploration and of, you know, we're out here in space doing yeah. stuff alone, you know, and there's even, and, and this kind of gets into, you know, just the idea of human existence, but they're talking about just being out in space in a bubble, you know, yep. and, and, and there's, so there's there's those ideas, but the, you know, as I was watching, there's there's things that I'm thinking. Oh, you know, this is classic Trek ideas where you're thinking, um, you know, how are we going to get through this? Well, we get through it because we're together as a team, and so they use the team well, and even better than I think, like in the original Star Trek movies, where they always had to have one scene for each character, mm-hmm. and it feels a little like, well, you know, we're just going to have Sulu do some judo, and you know, we're going to have Uhura uh, pull a phaser on a guy and let we're him have, use the transporter, you know. We're going to have Captain Kirk explain profanity to Spock. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But he did a lot more than that in that movie. I know. But, I know. <laughs> yeah. But meanwhile, what did Chekhov do in that movie? He 
went onto uh, a boat and stole ra- uh, some some radioactive material. Mm. You know, but that doesn't feel like a, a checkoff mission. Like that feels like we should be sending in the team to do that, not just checkoff. But yeah, and, but I feel like they got they got their opportunities to shine and. That it was a, I mean, clearly there were stars, but it was an ensemble cast that we had here. Yeah. So, yeah. so let's give it a rating. Okay. And then say who we recommend this to. Do you want to rank it among the movies we've seen so far this year? Uh, we could. I can't remember what we've seen so far this year. Well, I just happen to have a list here. Okay. Okay. I've got, we got, uh, see, Batman v Superman. There was Civil War. Uh, there was the Independence Day. Um, did you see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I did not. Okay, I did. You didn't see Finding Dory, Your Angry Birds? I did not. Okay, well, I did, so they're on my list. So, yeah, there's like four of them. Okay. So we could, we could rate them there. Um, yeah, I, I definitely would say this is all head and shoulders above Independence Day. Yes, I would agree. Uh, but I don't know if I would rank it above Captain America or Batman Superman. I would also agree. Um, this fits nicely in with those two movies, but it's not, it wasn't a better experience than those. This one was a more relaxing experience for me. Um, I don't know. I've just been, I guess I've been stressed out lately and it was just nice to get to the theater. Um, and then I would also rank it with the uh, the other two Star Trek movies in the sequel boot. Okay. Uh, I almost think I like this better than the other two. I know I like this better than Into Darkness. Yes, for sure. I, I don't know if I'd put it above the 2009 one because that one, it just seems way more, I don't know. I guess I, I don't know. it feels like it feels more classic to me. Like we're we're getting we're getting introduced to all the characters mm-hmm. and the the tension between Kirk and Spock and that one I really enjoy. Well, and that one's an origin story, and this yeah. one is definitely uh, okay. We've had the origin story. Where are they? You know, what are they doing now? And we don't yes. need to introduce you to every single character, although they do kind of. But we don't need to because you've seen them before. This is actually a great sequel to that first movie, and you can probably just skip the <laughs> Into Darkness. Honestly. I would like I could show. Well, no, I was was gonna say I could show the first one to my kids more than I could the second one, which is true. But there's still some stuff in the first one that just kind of. uh, Yeah, this one didn't have any of that stuff. It has maybe one throwback to the second movie and it has a ton of throwbacks to the first movie and and some threads that were left Mm -hmm. uh, unfinished that they picked back up. So, yeah, but this one definitely links back to that first movie a lot with with saying, okay, I mean, just directly, like you said, directly referencing Mm -hmm. and and not just referencing, but also saying, okay, what's the logical next step here? And yeah, because there's there's some existential uh, stuff that Kirk goes through, like where he's talking about, you know, who am I in this place? And. And should I be here doing this? And, you know, I it's kind of from the trailer, so I don't know how much of a spoiler this is, but he's trying to figure out why he's even doing the Starfleet thing and comparing himself to his father, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, 
yeah, there's some elements there where there, the, it's 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 a good moment for him, and it's a good moment that's made better if you've seen the first movie. So I I like that, and yeah, yeah so I would I don't know it'd, it'd be very difficult to rank this, but I felt I do feel like this one felt the most Star Trekky of these three movies. I do agree with that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It might be tied with the first one. It's a great double feature. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think Into Darkness can be skipped. Uh, not that I wouldn't watch Into Darkness again. I mm-hmm. just feel like that one, you know, as far as being part of this trilogy, this is not a trilogy where you have to see part two to understand part three. Yeah, I mean, really, this isn't a trilogy. It's episodic. It's here's episode one, episode two, episode three. And don't worry if you've missed one because they're going to tell you everything you need to know in the next one. Yep. So, yeah. And so let's rank these. Okay. Uh, I mean, rank this, I should say. Um, What's our scale? One to five? One to five. One to five. One to five phasers? Sure. Okay. One to five phasers. What do you give it? I'm going to give it a four. I'm going to give it a solid four as well. Nice. Nice B. Yep. It's a B. Very not enjoyable. A, not an A+, plus, but there's some things in the style, that kind of the, the editing style that they use. and The camera the work. camera work. There's <laughs> some goofy stuff going on where it felt – there's a couple uh, transitions that felt just like film school. <laughs> like it's a film school thing where, okay, we're going to pan the camera over to this round thing. And now we're going to fade to another different round thing and pan away from that to the next set of characters that we're moving when we when we switch scenes. Like, it just felt a little too, I don't know. Yeah, there was one, yeah, there was one uh, camera angle scene transition where they're they're focusing on a guy like getting up from falling down. And it's like, what was that? Yeah, what? yeah. What? And then there's some <laughs> also making this difficult to follow. The cameras are spinning on their axis, right? And so you're, yes. and so is the ship. And so as the camera is turning, the ship is turning, and the hallway, like they did this in other movies too, which you know, every place in the in the ship except for the bridge, this happens. But as they're changing speed or changing direction, and and the gravity, you know, controls are going off and going haywire, and so the walls of the hallways become the floors. But the camera is twisting, too. And so you can't tell sometimes, is the ship turning or is this a camera angle choice? I don't know. Can't tell. It's it's just it feels like they're trying to be a little too fancy yeah. and, and not focusing so much on storytelling, but focusing on uh, camera style. And and it hurts the storytelling in some places. It, it is a little confusing. And there's a few moments where the editing gets a little confusing as well. You get your bearings. You do get your bearings. But you, you don't always start the scene with your bearings. And, and I can understand sometimes that's a good thing to do. You want to throw your audience off a little bit and get them asking questions. Where are we? What just happened? Um, but not every single scene transition. Yeah. <laughs> You, you, you want to save that, you know, use that once in a while. Put that in your arsenal. Yes, but don't bring it out every single time or your audience is going to get a little tired. So. But I still give it a B. Um, it, it's strong script. 
uh, decent, decent characterization, decent acting, decent special effects. Although again, there are some moments where you're trying to figure out what in the world is going on, but there, those chaotic moments are meant to be chaotic moments. At least some of those space battle moments are meant to be chaotic. So, yep. Yeah. Uh, who would you recommend it to Ben? I would recommend it to people who already have liked the other Star Trek reboot movies. Um, I would also say if you're an original Star Trek fan, give this a try. Uh, if, if you were turned off by the other two, this is probably the one that you're going to be most likely to like of, of the three. If you're a, an original purist, this is going to be the one that's probably going to be, if you're going to like any of them, you'll like this one. But you'll like it even more if you watch at least the first one and then watch this one. Yeah. Because it all ties into original, like directly into original Trek. Not like callbacks, not like an homage. If you somehow haven't seen these new ones, watch the first one, then watch this one, and I, you'll probably really like it. The other thing I would say, though, if you are a fan of original Trek and you don't like this timeline because it's erased the things you like that come after and the things you like that come after that's original series. That's next generation. That's Voyager. That's um, although there is a, a mini callback to, to Voyager, I think, because there's an Admiral uh, Paris hmm. who um, is not Tom Paris's father, but it's quite possible that she could be a relation to Tom Paris from Voyager. But anyway, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Next Generation, and Original Series were all wiped out in this timeline. So this timeline is starting fresh, moving into the future. However, before the Kelvin incident that killed James Kirk's father in the first movie, Enterprise still existed. Star Trek Enterprise, that series, those four seasons. And they get referenced in that first movie. But they get referenced a lot in this one. I was surprised and amazed. Not just referencing them, but I don't want to say any more than that. (laughs) But if you're a fan of Enterprise, you will pick up on a handful of things that you'll say, oh, interesting. I'm not saying that they're major plot points or major elements, but I am saying they're there. And, you know, drop references to the Makos and to uh, some historical events that happened with Enterprise. So, cool. Yeah. So I think it's time for us to play the uh, spoiler organ. What do you say, Evan? Let's do it, Ben. All right. So after this point, you've been warned. We're going to talk about details of this movie that could ruin your enjoyment if you're planning to watch this movie. And we want to protect you from that. And we would recommend watching this movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we Definitely. I, I recommend this to people who like this kind of movie. If you've seen the first one, you like that. You know what you're getting into with this one. And yeah, if, you're, if you like just a good sci-fi action movie, that's what this is, a sci-fi action movie with some drama in it. So beyond that, it's time to play the organ. Here we go. Spoilers. 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 So here there be spoilers. Arr. 
Yeah. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I was talking about the Enterprise stuff, Evan. Yes. Um, the style of the ship that they use to escape. Uh-huh, end, yes. Very similar. And I picked up early on when they were talking about what this ship was when she said, is this yours? Or they said, is this your ship? And she says, no, it's yours. And the Franklin, well, they had the number and it was NX something, ah. which is what the, the number for the Enterprise in Star Trek Enterprise was NX-01, I think. Nice. Can't remember now. And the uniforms in the flashback videos were the same, weren't they? If they weren't the same, they were very close. Mm. And and that was another one where I was just, wow. And then they talk about the Zinti War and the Romulan War, okay, which are things that, um, that cropped up in Enterprise. In fact, the Zinti War was a big deal in, I think, season three? Might have been season four. Okay. But, um, and the Makos came out of that. The Makos were Marine troops that were stationed on the ship. And the captain, um, Edison, had been uh, a Mako, had been a soldier hmm. in, in the war there. But they put them on, on Federation ships so that they would have military backup as they were flying around space. Cool. And... So there's some references there that were that was kind of cool. Uh, the ship design itself, I like seeing that you know that design. I'm not a big fan of the ship design of the Enterprise mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, I just I don't like the the weird flaring of the ship. And they like the the actual Enterprise. Yeah, yeah, the actual Enterprise, the the, the nacelles, and how okay. they're they're so wide and big at the front and. There's just elements of the ship that are very different from what I'm comfortable with when I think of like my comfort food here of Star Trek. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, the the original Enterprise and, and then the I movie. really enjoy the ship design of the Enterprise in these new movies. And they photographic weird, though, too. Oh, I, I disagree with you there. I, no, no. They the way they find just all kinds of strange angles that just with with some weird perspective that you're trying to to see and it it is something that um i don't know if they how much they were able to just play with the design and see you know what kind of angles we can get before we actually start filming this thing or if they're actually mm-hmm. you know experimenting with angles as they're going along but you know the the i didn't read anything about this from the original series but with next generation when i read uh interviews with some of the tech people who are working on filming the enterprise they were they kept talking about you know in those early episodes just trying to find the angles that looked right and that mm-hmm. looked best and in those early episodes there are some angles that you just it gives a weird geometry to the <laughs> ship that that doesn't it doesn't look right because of the the camera lens what i will say about the camera lens that they use here you know digital or or otherwise is it gives a real sense of scale Mm-hmm. and size and as the camera is coming in along the side it it looks so big and it looks like you're looking at it through a curved lens yeah i enjoyed the one uh shot where it's zooming in and you on the rim you can see the windows uh into the hallways and you can see the people walking yeah, yeah. in there and that was really cool it gives you the the real sense of scale and then it zooms up on the bridge and you can see the big window in the bridge cool. yeah and, and the thing with that is you know, the, they have done that in the past where you can see people in the, mm-hmm. in the windows, but it's like little paper cutouts. Right. You know, and they're just like moving them slightly 
uh, or maybe it's just the wind that's moving them a little bit because it's just these little paper cutouts of a, you know, a stick person almost again, giving you scale. It does give you scale nicely, but this is something because of the effects that they're able to do, they're able to make it look like they actually have a camera that's zooming all around. Right. Like in a continuous shot, uh, from, from place to place in the ship. So I do find it interesting that they have a window on the bridge. Yeah, it's, it's not a, just a screen. Yeah, it's an actual window because that just seems really dangerous. Nah, it's like it's like ten feet thick glass. Except um, break it with a. Aren't you watching phaser. this movie? Yeah, they shoot it with a phaser. And he jump shoots it with a hand phaser, not a ship. It's not a ship. It's a yep. hand phaser, and then he shoots it. It cracks it, and he's able to jump through it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's terrible ship design. <laughs> That's not safe design to me. Although having the bridge right up in the center of a target in the first place. Right. I mean, that's <laughs> aim for the middle. Yeah. I mean, any sure to kill him. I, I get the design and I get the idea of the ship is the brain. I mean, the, the bridge is the brain of the ship. Right. Right. So I can understand that, that, you know, you want to have this visual design that's going to, convey information to your viewer it just seems like it might be safer to have it in the middle of that saucer section that's just me no it makes sense ben it makes sense but yeah i mean the whole the idea of that window design um there was in the first episode that they did of star trek it wasn't the the monitor that was a window but it was the dome that was see-through And the first shot of the Enterprise in the first episode, the camera is coming in and zooming in on the saucer and comes to the dome. And then you can see through and you're coming in on the crew right there sitting in the in the bridge. (laughs) And I don't know if they would have been able to maintain that uh, for future effects shots. That just seems like an expensive shot right there back then. But yeah, so it's not. I mean, I can't fault the makers of these movies for that kind of thing. It's happened before, but yeah, <laughs> but they it use just it looks to, cool and they use it to effect here when they were escaping that bridge as the, as the saucer section is rolling upward and get it. Well, like not rolling, it's, it's lifting flying, up. Flying, Yeah. Lifting. Yeah. So they shoot it out. They jump through the window, we slide down. Shooting as they slide. Yeah, and then jumping away just in time so that they're not just falling, but they're jumping out. And then it lands on the lady. Yeah. She deserved it. <laughs> she did. But it felt so impersonal. Yeah. Well, I wanted to see Kirk have something to do with that. Yeah. But um, the, she was responsible for what happened to the ship. The she, ship got her back. Yep. The ship was the one to take her out. The ship, may, maybe, yes, the ship deserved to have the takedown. What did you think of the original, uh, the, the first mission it opens up on? It was kind of goofy. I, I liked it a lot. It was funny. It was kind of <laughs> tribble-ish, you know? Yep, yep. Um, it, was, it was funny. It wasn't what I was expecting. I really, happen. I really enjoyed seeing the non-humanoid aliens. Yeah, yeah, so. that was cool. I, once again, I feel like that's a departure from a sentient non-human alien because we've seen the giant uh, 
red T-Rex monster lizard thing in the first one. But, uh, yeah, I liked it. It was cool. Nice departure. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, the size factor was a, yes. another, another that was good funny. thing there. That was but. very funny. Um, yeah, and so, okay, so what else you want to talk about here, Ben? Well, the galaxy is the limit. I really like the part where the Beyonder showed up and started, like, asking them, what does it mean to be a Starfleet human? What? It was, it's called Star Trek Beyond. It was really cool because how it ties into the oh, the, villain. I, I... the villain was the Beyonder. Spoilers for I'm making all this up. Just yeah, this sounds like more trying. something Steve might say. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I'm trying to pick up the slack. He's not. He couldn't make it. Yeah, he's not here to reference '80s comics. Mm. Yeah, but um, <laughs> yeah. So here, it, let's talk about the villain. Okay. Uh, this is something they've done before. It's a Heart of Darkness thing. It's a um, uh, Apocalypse Now kind of thing with with uh, Colonel Kurtz. It's where you have someone who ostensibly would be a good guy, but who turns around and after being cut off from his people, uh, ends up turning against his people. And this is not something that happened all the time, but the rogue captain idea is something that did happen. Uh, in classic Trek, in Next Generation. Um, I can't say I remember it happening in Voyager um, because they wouldn't have had too many opportunities to come across Federation captains. But um, yeah, it's I, I liked it. And, and when I realized what was going on, first of all, I was trying to figure out what is going on with this character. And it was when Uhura said, there's something else going on beneath the surface with you. And so as soon as she said that, boy, you want to talk about Chekhov's gun. <laughs> they hang Chekhov's stuff all over this movie. And this we're not was, talking about Chekhov from Star Trek. No, 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 we're not. But um, uh, this was this was Chekhov's identity, maybe <laughs> um, where she's questioning what is beneath the surface here. And so then I'm thinking to myself, okay, so what is beneath the surface here? And the moment I realized it was when they fly in with the Franklin, the ship and uh, Krill or whatever they were calling him, Edison, who Mm -hmm. is the captain from the Franklin, uh, which we didn't know this at this point, but he says, hello, old friend. Yep. And that's the moment where I realized he's the captain of that ship. Yeah, I oh I didn't know if he was the captain, but I figured he was the uh, he was part of the crew, at least that was he was he was a Starfleet person yeah. at that point. I, it, I feel like it was a good reveal. Yeah, I feel like him saying that was the kind of thing you can say, oh, and you can pick up on it. Um, I think that they put it in there for people to pick up at that moment. I don't think I'm anyone special for figuring that out at that moment. Right, but um, that meant. As I realized that, okay, so now it's a different thing for me the rest of the movie. And and sure enough, then they figure it out not too long after that. Uhura is looking at the uh, some data tape that we've already seen part of it, where it's people wearing those old jumpsuit style um, uniforms that they had on Enterprise. And and there he is. And it's Idris Elba. <laughs> and Yep. And that was another thing that caused me to wonder if he was actually 
if it was, if he was a member of the crew from the Franklin, because he was becoming more and more human looking as, yeah, as the, uh, as the uh, movie continued, of course, he wasn't, he wasn't visually striking at all. I mean, they were using visuals to express his character, but it wasn't striking enough right. to it, make it, me feel any kind of threat. He wasn't, he wasn't wearing any kind of like dark evil mask, uh, but they did use visuals to give us uh, a metaphorical view of of him as a character. Right, and I didn't think uh, at that when he was sucking the life out of people and, and changing his appearance, I didn't necessarily think that it was because you know he's a human person. I just thought maybe he's a, a shapeshifter. I I thought um, I I didn't think he was human at that point either. I thought he kind of was taking the form of whatever essence he was taking. Right. And then I thought he would use that to infiltrate whatever he was going to infiltrate. I didn't even think about that. For me, it was just, Oh, that's an interesting thing that they're doing here. He's, he's stealing human energy, life force, whatever. And he's looking more human. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. But his motivation it's it's a Star Trek motivation, you know, it's yeah, I'm out here. You've created me to do this and I brought peace, but I have no reason to exist once I bring peace, uh, actually kind of a, a Cold War James Bond kind of thing hmm. in some ways where the Cold War is over. Who do I fight against now? I helped stop. You know, I, I've, I've worked myself out of a job <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's the other thing with the bad guy. I thought they were going to go to a place with this that I did not want them to go to. It wouldn't have been a terrible thing. Kirk is trying to save everybody by opening up these panels to flush the evil stuff out into space. Mm-hmm. He can't open the last one. And and Edison, because of the gravity, rises up behind him. You thought he was going to sacrifice himself? Like, oh, is he really going to turn? He's yeah. going good. And, yeah, that's what I thought too. And I was so glad that when he picks a, a piece of glass and tries to stab Captain Kirk in the back, because yeah. I, I, it wouldn't have rung true. It wouldn't have. It wouldn't have. You could do that kind of thing, but you'd need to show a little more depth in the motivation of your right. villain in order to earn that moment. And they hadn't earned that moment for me. So I, I liked what they did. Um, there was a, an element of just lots of action and fighty fighty just for the sake of having action and fighty fighty. Um, and some of it was just very choreographed and Inst- perfect timing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, okay. It, you just, I mean, then though, okay. For me, this was just fun. It was just straight up fun which I don't know if many people usually think about straight up fun and you think about Star Trek, but this one was, cause you well, know why people who haven't watched a lot of it wouldn't think that. Right. Right. You know, they think of it as oh, boring thought pieces. Well, no, even if you watch the original trilogy, it is not, you cannot say it's straight up fun. <laughs> well, original trilogy. What do you mean? Or not original trilogy, original series. I'm sorry. It's not straight up fun. There's is, you don't think of fun. There is you, some you've fun. Watched the wrong episodes, man. It, there is some fun. But it's not straight up fun. This movie, I felt like, was. Um, it had it had some great humor moments and some great action, great story. 
and they defeat the enemy through the power of music. Now that's fun. That's fun. And they I, surf the tidal wave of evil <laughs> and destroyed it with the power of music. And and the space station does the same thing, man. No, uh, no, no. But that that I to me it. again, I that felt it. Star Trek. Really? It was, yeah. It it did. It. We're gonna use this old technology, the VH. Uh, was it VHF? Yeah, VHF radio frequency. Mm-hmm. They're gonna use that to disrupt the communications of the aliens. Now, to me, that's a very old school Star Trek way of doing things. It sounds sounds very scientific. It makes no sense whatsoever, (laughs) but it's going to work because Spock said it or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, but then the fact that they chose to use beastie boys sabotage that, that was fun. And the classical music. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember if that's the song that they used in the first movie. It is. Okay. It is the exact song that he was driving the car to. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's why it was great when Kirk said, that's a great choice. Yeah. Cause he, he loves that song. Yeah. And they set it up. There was Chekhov's old school rock music. Yep. Right there. And uh, there's so many things that they just, they set up at the beginning just cause you, and then you wait for it to get teed off. Like, okay. So if they set this up here, how is it going to get used later on? And and they do. And OK. Um, let's see. Where else do we have here? The birthday stuff. Now, yeah. that was fun for me because that's referencing some old school Star Trek stuff with with Captain Kirk having his birthday in Star Trek Two mm-hmm. in the Wrath of Khan. And here, though, nice element. They celebrate his birthday a couple days before because it's also the day that his father died. Yes. I didn't even thought about that. Hmm. It's a it's a nice moment. It's a nice moment. Yeah, the day his father died, question mark. Well, you mean because they're they're they've lined up having the actor in the next movie? Yes. <laughs> you know, what's probably going to be a glorified flashback. We don't know, Ben. You don't it think could... he's dead. I don't know. They, there was time travel shenanigans going on when his father died. Oh, I hope they don't go back to any time travel stuff with this. There are. This is clone stuff. This is Star Trek. Who knows what's going to happen? There could be a rift in the space-time continuum, and he could just be playing Thor. Which would be the coolest thing. That would not be do. the coolest thing. It would be, Ben. No, it would yes, not it. be the coolest thing, period. We would disagree on that. Full stop. That is goofball stuff. No. It would be awesome. It would not be. Would pay to see that movie. I would pay not to see that movie. (laughs) Um, No. No. Okay. We'll just agree to disagree then. No, that's that's Um, wasting a good movie (laughs) to do a gimmick. Sometimes gimmicks are fun. Sometimes they're fun, but they're also goofy. And are just, yeah, this would be too much of a gimmick. Over the top. Um, anyway, the birthday stuff, again, sent me back to old Star Trek. And, um, and they you know, took it, sent it, me it, back it in a new back. direction. So, what set you back or sent you back to old Star Trek? The photograph of old Star Trek. That was really nice. Yeah, I liked it a lot. That was really nice. And I knew something was going to be there. And there was a part of me that was 
cringing a little bit because why? Because when they did the first Star Trek reboot sequel thing, mm-hmm. uh, there was talk of doing a scene where old Spock would give new Spock a holographic message that Kirk gave to Spock on his birthday. (laughs) And it would be something that um, new Spock would see and realize he belongs at Kirk's side. (laughs) That's that they're meant to be friends. The universe is going to pull them together no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so he would something like that. And they would have gotten William Shatner to do it. And I don't know if they actually asked him to do it. And I just remember there's some controversy about they never did talk to him about doing anything, but they had Leonard Nimoy do the movie, you know, just different things like that. Mm-hmm. But that's why I was cringing. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, are, did they do it? Is, is that what's going to be in there? Is William Shatner filming a secret scene that somehow no one knew about? So he could be in a hologram talking to old Spock and new Spock is going to see it and decide to stay on the ship. That wouldn't have been terrible. Uh, I, not not again. As, gimmicky and yeah, yeah. potentially goofy. I so, really like the photo. I thought it was. Gonna I be love some, that. Yes. I thought it was going to be some sort of uh, artifact from the original series or something and, and an object. Uh, or something. But no, the photograph was much better. It was perfect. And, mm-hmm. and honestly, now they're, they're talking about uh, uh, Star Trek four has already been greenlit. But right. if this had been the last of these Star Trek movies, that would have been the perfect thing to end it on. Yep. I, I it was it was a perfect moment. A great way to honor those original crew members. And and also just to say, hey, we're going to grow old together. You know, yeah. And and when we grow old together, this is what we're going to look like. <laughs> and it was I loved it. Brilliant little moment. It was quiet. There were no words. None were necessary. Mm-hmm. It, I liked it a lot. A whole lot. So, yeah, nice way to go back and honor those that original crew. And it felt it felt natural. It felt earned. It was good. They had a moment of silence in the credits for Leonard Nimoy and for the guy who played Chekhov. Who Anton, died. Anton, Yell. Ah, I, can't I don't know. I can't remember the last name, but yeah, yeah, that was interesting too. I mean, the music all of a sudden stops, and I think there's some people waiting for like a post credit right thing, and you know, you didn't get that, but you did get that nice moment there in the in mm. credits. Hey, speaking of the music, though. Yes. You got three pop songs. You had Sabotage and you had the song by Rihanna and you had, oh, what was the other classic rock song? I can't fight the Power. That. Yeah, Fight the Power. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, which, if you think about it, was, is a perfect song for Jayla. Oh, absolutely. To be playing, you know, considering her background and stuff with the power. But, yeah. Um, I liked her character. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to her in a second. Okay. There were moments in this score that I Giacchino did that took me back to the motion picture to Jerry Goldsmith's <laughs> score, which I loved. I love that score for that movie. And, uh, maybe he wasn't referencing it. Although the way he does his music, I mean, Michael Giacchino, he references, you know, he, mm-hmm. and he's able to mimic someone else's style. And so when he did Tomorrowland, 
he was doing John Williams. Mm-hmm. I think he did better John Williams for Tomorrowland than he did for Jurassic World. Where in Jurassic World he was actually, you know, continuing John with, Williams from score. John Williams, right. you know, but in Tomorrowland I just felt like it was a John Williams score. Um and but with this I felt like he was he was doing kind of a Jerry Goldsmith riff on some of the some of the things he was doing. Especially the music that was playing when they were entering the space station. Yeah, which was it was a cool cool station they spent a lot of time showing you how that space station looked you mentioned tomorrowland that was a very tomorrowland moment for yeah, me yeah um and i really really enjoyed it it uh, was, was it was definitely setting the geography for the the climax though yes so they could say you've seen this and now we're going to use it and yeah with the uh l trains Yep, yep, and in the skyscrapers and the crazy uh, gravity-defying geography and mm-hmm. the uh, the you know the water pools that have stuff underneath them because they're suspended by anti-gravity. It's just really cool, and and all the I guess the integration of the parks and nature into the design of the city. It's all very Tomorrowlandy. Yeah. I liked it a lot. It was we were just miss- cool. We were missing people in jetpacks. That was about it. Uh, yeah, shuttles. Yeah, yeah, they did have shuttles. Not as busy as Coruscant, but it was it, there was still a lot of air traffic going on in there. Yes, and and it actually made a good uh, target for the villain. So yes, Earth was not in danger. Earth was not going to blow up, but a millions of people, a symbol of the Federation, mm-hmm. with all these different people from all these different worlds, was going to was in danger. So yeah, I liked, I liked the design there. Jayla talk about Jayla. Okay. She had, uh, I'll throw this out real quick though. She was one of those people who, you know, has learned English, but it's not her native language, but she didn't sound like an idiot when she mangled the English. Right. Which, I liked, I really liked how they mangled her English too. They did it subtly. I, it, yeah. it, it worked. And, I didn't I sometimes it really annoys me. Okay. When you have an alien character who just doesn't speak in, the English right, you know, and and I understand you not, you know, that kind of thing. Right, yeah, yeah. Um or you'll have them, you know, picking out words, saying words wrong for right. comic effect, you know. They did it well with her. Yes. I think for the most part her grammar was was on on par, but I liked how she just used the most simplest terms. Yes. The most simplest yes. words to to get her point across. And I, and it n- not sound, not sounding like a child either, but just like, this is the word for this. I don't know, like the five other different words for this in English, but this is the one I know. And I'm going to say that. And I liked it. Yeah. And, and there was, you know, she's learned the language because she's living in a Federation ship. Mm. That's her home. Uh, her house, her house. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, but I like then she kept calling it her house. But but then uh, Kirk says something about the welcome mat, and I, yeah. I I do not know what welcome mat is. But you know, and, uh, and they don't explain it too. That's the other good thing, right? Yeah, they don't take the time to explain things, and you get this whole again comic relief stuff going on where uh, I do not understand welcome mat. You know, why would you put mat on the floor? Right, you know? right, and and that kind of thing. And they also didn't spend time trying to explain it to her, and she's not understanding. It was just, you know, move on. She can figure it out with context clues what she needs to know. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah. And then she's a great fighter, which is also not really a, a Star Trek thing. You don't have this kind of choreographed martial arts fights right. in old Trek, but it works here because she's new. Yep. She's not Federation. She's she's clever. Uh, she know she's a mechanic type of person, and uh, I like I'm. And she has emotional stakes. Yeah, and she has emotional and and uh, or growth as a character. Yeah. Um, which is is great for a new character, and I I got behind her uh, story because it's about being brave, and uh, putting aside your uh, own safety and your comfort zone to to help others. But it's also about the legacy of the father. That's also true, yeah. Uh, and very, very much mirrors Kirk's own situation, his own story, mm-hmm. where his father gave his life to save his son, basically. And her father did the same thing for her. And so her arc actually pushed him a little bit in his little arc about, am I going to you know, quit the captain's chair and take the admiralty? Which, again callbacks to original movies but you know they they called it out in the in the motion picture and in star trek 2 where he was an admiral and they said you never should have taken it you never should have taken the admiral chair you, yep. you belong out there and in in this round for him he didn't make that mistake you know he says if i am an admiral can i fly no where's the fun in that you know and there's just that glimmer of fun in a lot of the, the actor's eyes here, mm-hmm. but especially uh, Pine playing Kirk and, and Carl Urban playing McCoy. There's there's definitely a glimmer of we're having fun doing what we're doing, playing characters who are f- having fun doing what they're doing. And Scotty. Yeah. Yeah. He, he gave himself some good lines. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, because he co-wrote the thing. Yeah. So... Are right, you want to talk about some uh, themes or do you want to, is yeah, there yeah, anything yeah. else you want to do? Let's jump into the themes real quick. I mean, there's not a lot of deep, deep themes, but here's the one that I, I kind of teased here. Um, it's, it's that whole idea of <laughs> the bundle of wood. Oh, that was great. I really like that. Line. Well, that's, I mean, that's yeah. not necessarily originally from the Bible, uh, but it's definitely from, you know, like, a five to six thousand year old verse from the Bible that says, "Right, you know, a cord of three strands is not easily broken." Yeah, um, and that's where this goes. I mean, all over the place, this idea of um, unity and standing together, and the space station is a symbol of that unity, uh, both for the characters and for us as an audience. And then you have. Uh, Edison or Krill or whatever his name is, the, the main bad guy talking mm-hmm. about, you know, unity is your weakness because the one girl gave up the, the big weapon to him to save Sulu's life. Um, but then what does he do? <laughs> what does he have? He has an army of drones that follow his command, right? They're unified. He has a unified army of drones behind him. That once they are able to disrupt that unity, they're able to take him down. And so he's talking about unity is your weakness. And then that's what he's using as his main weapon. <laughs> like He's using unity of drones who are all connected by, by radio frequency. And, 
you know, that's one of those situations where you have a character who says one thing, but completely doing another. Yeah, is, is doing is doing another completely um, goes against what they're saying with what they do. And the other thing I kind of find fun was Jayla creating those holograms of multiple versions of herself. Um, she's, you know, using the idea that she needs more than one person, but she doesn't have more than one person. Uh, so she creates people to be those extra strands, to be those extra cords of wood that are going to help her to stand up against you know, some of these villains or some of these rogue rogue. Uh, I don't know if these are escapees or something. I, I'd imagine that's what they are. Escapees from the, uh, the I think she, situation, but Oh, really? I thought they were, I thought she said they were crash landers from, from other ships. Yeah. Yeah. That but they, they had, had drawn in who had gotten away from Krill and his, and his oh. drones. So like they're they're out there as well, hiding in, in maybe caves or something like that. Mm. But but everything in this, all factions are teams, you know, and that are using multiple parts to create a greater whole. Right. And and so there our villain, he has these drones. His weapon even is all these like little tiny. I don't know what they're meant to be. But these little tiny pieces of of things that fly around and just through Eat you. power of impact are taking you apart, and so I, it's just that's that's a very simplistic big idea, and and not necessarily a an original one to even other Star Trek stories, but it's there, and that's what this is about. This is about family, and this is about standing together. And, and this is about helping each other. And, you know, that's how did, uh, how did Jayla escape family? You know, they helped her to get away. They gave up their lives to do so. Um, and then the crew, that's what it means to be a crew. That's what Scotty says. So it's there. Yeah, it's there. And it's, it's not subtext. As they say, it's text. It's said outright. Here's what we're talking about when we say this, you know, which. Right. <laughs> okay. You know, <laughs> thanks for telling me that. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, I, like I said, I connected with uh, the, or Jayla's story arc. I don't know if that's, I guess, I don't know if it's a theme her or not, character but arc. she had a character yeah. arc. Yeah. Yeah. And her, uh, just conquering that, that fear and going in there to, to be brave for the sake of others, and that's that's something that's resonating with me currently. I am a, I'm a pretty big introvert, or have become one, uh, in the past couple of years, and uh, or it's become more dominant, I guess. And I just have a lot of times I have struggles uh, going out and just sharing my faith with people one on one. So even though you know if they if they hear about it and accept it, it's it's the thing that'll save their life for eternity. And so that's. Uh, that really resonated with me that, you know, she's, she's conquering her fear and stepping up, uh, to, to do that for other people. That was just cool. And then the, like we already talked about the giant spaceship or the space station that, uh, reminded me of Tomorrowland reminded me of the same exact stuff that Tomorrowland reminded me about is that as cool and awesome as all that stuff is, heaven is going to be a bajillion times cooler. (laughs) 
and that's and we actually get to go there and see that and live there and that was just really cool and, and inspiring and encouraging to me especially you know like we said with the score and they're showing the the magnificence of this place uh is cool yeah they spent a lot of time showing us that place yeah but it was check off space station they're coming back to it you need yep. to see it <laughs> you need to see it it's going to be a big deal when we get to it later so I liked it though. I, I liked the the design. I liked the the sphere. Um, I did have flashbacks to Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, really, with, with some of that, especially with the uh, you know we, we're better together than we are apart kind of stuff. And, oh yeah, yeah. Um, and and the oh, there's the, one thing I wanted to talk about. Okay. Okay, and it's just it's not necessarily a nitpick, more like an observation that just kind of made me like laugh inside. Is that uh, What's his, what's the bad guy's name? Elliot or Edison? Edison, yeah. His I like how he and his cronies and his drones, all their evil bases are made up of like discarded Burger King playground equipment. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, I was like, eh, interesting choice, bad guy. Interesting choice. So. Overall, I. I found it to be a fun movie. I had a good time sitting there watching it. Um, $6 well spent, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, it was, I, it got me. And this, every time I see a Star Trek movie, uh, it, these new Star Trek ones, uh, it, it gets me on a sci-fi kick. It makes me want to create something like that. And, I don't know if I ever will be able to create something like that in a sci-fi genre. I mean, most of my work right now, as far as as far as creative work goes, is spent um, turning Bible stories into comic book stories. But I don't know. Maybe one day. One day. Let's do it, Ben. Audio drama. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But this, it got me excited. I had a fun time watching it. And even though there were some action beats where you're just like, oh... But you know what? It reminds me of the perfect action that you would see in a Fast and the Furious movie. I've never seen a Fast and the Furious movie. Well, you've seen trailers for them, right? I guess. The cars are driving around and zipping through perfectly, even though it's random traffic that they're driving through. But it's not Ah. really random traffic because it's choreographed by stunt people or computers. And... This reminded me, especially when they just came up at just the right moment for the disc of the Franklin to be a perfect shield against all three of of right, Edison's yes. ship. That's yes. what I was talking about when you uh, got after me because I wasn't having fun. And you were like, this is just a fun movie, you know, but that was just a little much for me. Like that perfect whoosh. Yes. It, it just was too tidy, too neat. But it it happened. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Because in all this gigantic, spacious space, you just happen to fly right into the path of this. Well, but, I mean, they did call it out. Like, they had McCoy and Spock somehow... Lure him. Lure him there. Directly. Although Spock and McCoy were actually chasing him. So I'm not sure how they were able to switch over from we are chasing them to we are now being chased. But it just, it didn't feel... It just didn't feel perfect. It, Let me it, tell you what. Or maybe man. it felt too perfect. Let's put it that way. Talking about too perfect. It's a good thing that they had some leftover human missiles 
from the last movie or else Scotty would have died. Well, that was an escape pod. No, that was a missile. That it was looked, one of the... It looked just like the escape pods the, the other guys were in. It did not. It was a different design, and it was the, it was the same missile that all the all cons people were, were stuffed in. Really? Yeah. Huh. Because at first I thought it was just a torpedo. Well, yeah, it's one of those torpedoes from the... Oh, but those weren't meant to be human torpedoes. Those were humans put onto torpedoes that were being used right. as a threat. But it's one of those that they had left over... Yeah, they've always been using torpedoes for that kind of thing. Ah. Star Trek Two. what did they put Spock in when he died? A torpedo. Ah. Yeah. It's the same exact design as those state-of-the-art classified torpedoes. Well, maybe they're not state-of-the-art classified anymore. Maybe they're just state-of-the-art. Maybe it's just a callback to the second movie and the only one in this whole movie. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, at first I thought it was just, oh, he's put himself into a torpedo, and then it looked like he was... In a pod, just like everyone else. But, yeah. I didn't catch it. Guys, you can just write your feedback in here. Tell Ben what's what. And I'll back you up. Okay? And All when, right. when they agree with me. Ben also missed another throwback to the original series, which was the giant green hand in oh, the credits. Oh, my goodness. I was not looking. <laughs> I was so mad. Oh, it was there. But it then I had there. to explain it to you. Yes, I didn't know what it was. Well, they had referenced it earlier. I'm like, oh, well, that's obviously a reference to the old, the original uh, series. And then uh, they showed it. So I'm like, OK, yeah, it definitely was. And I told Ben and he got mad. I am so mad. Like, there's a part of me that wants to go back and see the movie just to see that. <laughs> I'm not going to. It was OK. I think they may have even had uh, more throwbacks because there was some funky looking planets and like even like a space station sort of looking thing that flew past. And I I didn't recognize any of it, but it could have been more throwbacks. But see, you know what that is to me if it's there? And I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention at that point because I dropped my phone. I was trying to get it out from under the the seat. Um, It fell out of my pocket in the movie during the movie, I think. But anyway, that to me is. Hey, this is a metaphorical representation of the continuation of their five-year mission. Right. And so they're going out there, and these are some of the things that they are seeing. And we're going to reference things that you've seen before. And that's kind of cool if, the, if that yeah. really is. But I didn't see it. So. Well, and they vaguely they vaguely reference that stuff in dialogue where, you know, they're like, what do you think we'll find up there? And Bones describes, you know, generally what they're mm-hmm. going to find up there in all the episodes. And then I think they even reference some specifics uh, like the like the giant green hand. Um, that was when they were trying to figure out how did the Franklin get all the way out past this nebula? Yeah, the and legends like, well, there's theories it. about. <laughs> Um, wormhole or giant green hand wormholes, the accepted theory right now, because, and and there's some episodes like that where they would go and they're way out there and they find things that shouldn't be out there yet, but they Mm -hmm. have humans there. Um, and they have to explain why or how. And, uh, in, in this case, they, they don't really wormhole is the accepted explanation. Well, in, and Kirk references more stuff like uh, when he's doing his captain's log, he's like, my life has become episodic. episodic. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, when he's doing his uh, captain's speech to the crew, he's like at and he says, you know, as we've come to find out there, the unknown doesn't exist. It's just stuff that is 
hidden for now. Yeah. Uh, and you know, they kind of kind of alludes to the fact that hey, we've seen some weird junk so far on this on the two years we've been out here. Yeah, but they're relieved when they finally get this mission, which is where they're they're going into a place that is out beyond communication. And, mm-hmm. and that's actually one of the elements of the original series was that they were so far out that to you know send transmission back to Starfleet would take a couple hours to a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And so the idea was we're out here in the frontier and we have to make decisions on our own. And then that's part of what they were doing with Voyager was to get the ship out on its own again. Mm-hmm. And so they put it across on the other side of the galaxy where it's now making its trip back to you know, known space, but it's going through this unknown space and they have no, you know, they represent the Federation, but they also have to choose what are we going to do when we uh, have any kind of contact with, you know, new life forms. And we are the first humans that they're ever going to meet mm. and, or, or well, not just humans, but yeah. And so that's, they're trying to kind of get back to that. And then, because in, in Next Generation, it was like instantaneous no matter what. You know, they, they would right. have real-time conversations no matter how far away they were. Even so, they're exploring, but they had to have a special force move them from one place to another to get them beyond communication with Starfleet. Or they'd have to right. have jamming signals. and stuff. Well, they're far in the future, though, right? Right. They're- That's almost 100 years after original yeah. series. So, so yeah. It, it was, but I will say another trope, another trope that they, they get into here is, um, we're the only ship available. Yeah. You know, like there's this terrible threat. I mean, they don't know it's a threat yet, but there, the, there's this terrible threat. And what's the only ship there the enterprise? Of course. They're the only ones close enough to do it. And they hung up Chekhov's enterprise. I knew even you know, for the trailers, you see bad things happening to the Enterprise. But I knew the Enterprise was going to be destroyed as soon as five minutes into the movie. One Admiral says to Kirk, well, the only ship that could have the technology to do this kind of a mission hasn't been finished yet. So but I'm not just sending your ship. I'm sending you. Right. I knew the Enterprise was dead and then that was the replacement <laughs> ship. I, I just knew it. So. Well, uh, you know, I I wasn't too worried about that space station because they had uh, Matt Parkman at the helm. <laughs> um, what could go wrong? He's yeah. in Star Wars and Star Trek now because of J.J. Abrams, man. Uh-huh. So he's already been in Star Trek, though. Has he, he? Yeah, he was the voice of the uncle that was yelling at Kirk. Oh, nice. Because uh, when he was doing the car, because J.J. puts him in all his films, right? I don't know if he puts him in all of his films. Was he in Star Trek Into Darkness? I don't know. I, I read somewhere that uh, he's JJ considers him his lucky charm, and he tries to put him in. in well, all maybe movies. maybe he gave him some sort of voiceover in yeah in Into Darkness, but he was on screen prominently for a few scenes. Yeah. So. Well, anything else you want to talk about? Anything else about Star so- Trek here? Talked about the Burger King playground stuff. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Well, I think, I think that's all for me. I, I would say that this has gotten me 
wanting to get back into Star Trek again, but I've already been watching movies lately and watching episodes with my kids. So this is actually just kind of a, oh, I'm, I'm doing another Star Trek thing right now. Cool. Well, are you going to check out the new show? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I will eventually somehow, maybe, but it's really frustrating to me. That is it still exclusively on that online service with CBS? Yes. I thought they were putting it on the on the channel. They're putting they're doing the pilot episode on CBS. I know that. OK. OK. And then it's going to be on their CBS All Access. And then the day after it comes out on that, this is the way I understand it. I could be wrong. Uh, maybe I will be, and we'll be talking more about Star Trek later. But um, the way it looks like is the day after it comes out on CBS All Access, countries around the world will have Netflix, and it will be shown on Netflix. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. But not the, in the just... United States. Oh, what? Well, that's they're using this to get people to subscribe to CBS all access. Oh, so guess. why would you put it out on Netflix if you're trying to get people to pay money to you directly? Yeah. I'm not a fan of CBS all access cause they had Supergirl and they had elementary two of the shows. I really enjoy and they, they would not be on Hulu. So I had to purchase all of Supergirl season one to watch it. Well, and now all of the DC CW superhero stuff I don't know if this includes Supergirl, but it's supposed to be on Netflix sometime soon. Okay. Well, they're on Hulu, and I've watched Arrow and Flash and Legends of Tomorrow and all that on Hulu. But this past year, uh, Supergirl was not CW, so it was all CBS. So you could catch it live going out. Wow. Yeah. I don't like CBS All Access because in order for me to watch Star Trek on CBS All Access, I have to pay a monthly rental fee or yes. subscription fee rather. And I'm already subscribed to a handful of things and yep. I don't want one more just to watch one show. So probably what will end up happening is I will wait until it's done and then I will subscribe, watch as many as I can in one month, you know, watch the season in, in one month of subscription and then cancel right away. But that's that's the frustration for me is that it's the way they're presenting it. I want to see it. I like the idea of what they're doing. I don't know anything about characters or anything like that, but I like the idea of these single season shows where it's going to be different eras and different characters and, and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That's kind of cool. And Star Trek is ripe for that. But yeah, I feel you. But and it's not weird even to do other things that aren't Enterprise. I mean, they had Deep Space Nine, they had Voyager. Um, I mean, Enterprise is the original series, and Enterprise is the next generation, and then Star Trek Enterprise. But that's not unusual. I just I wish it was being done in a different way. That's all. Rant over. <laughs> and I think this episode is over too. I, I, yeah. Okay. Got to get got to get to bed here pretty soon. Sounds um, like a plan. Before we go though, I would like to encourage all our listeners, as I'm sure you would as well, to uh, get ready because episode 200 is coming. It is, and we have a special request that we'd like to make of you, and that is pretty simple. 
we are doing 200 of the greatest stories ever. And we are dividing it up into different sub mediums. And you know, we're going to talk about the 200 greatest TV series, 200 greatest movies, 200 greatest books, 200 greatest comic book storylines. Uh, not 200 of all of those. It's going to be like 50 of each of those. Right. Close In the to 250. Combined, and, it's all 200. And there'll also be some video games we're putting in there and, and probably uh, at least a couple old time radio. We'll see. Uh, but we would like to hear from you. What are your favorites? What are your favorite um, books? What are your favorite movies, your favorite TV series, your favorite comic book storylines? You don't have to send us 50. You can send us three if you want or four or 10, whatever. Uh, and we are going to take what you send to us and we're going to integrate that into our algorithm. And if you uh, include any kind of description along with any of your things that you're sending in, like this TV series is my favorite, even if that doesn't make it into our list of 200, we're going to be including it in that episode. If you include some sort of description about what you like about it. And especially if you send us audio, we would love to hear from you in that way. Yes. Sending us an MP3 file to um, podcast at strangersandaliens.com or calling our hotline. And so, yeah, we'd like to hear from you. Uh, this is for 2016. Uh, the episode itself will be airing or put out sometime in August of 2016. Yes. And so please go ahead and send in your feedback for this AS. AP. We appreciate it. Yep. We could be recording the ep or some of the episode as early as next week. We're no, not going to. We can't. No, we can't. Oh yeah, not next week because that's too early. That doesn't give anyone any chance to send anything in. So I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It, we're not, we're not going to give you the definitive date because we don't know it. But ASAP would be great. I would say if you can get it get it in before the end of July would be you're, you're definitely getting it in in time. But next episode, we may be able to say definitively August blank or something like that. So because we still have five episodes between now and then. Yes. We have, and we got some fun things coming that have been long awaited that we will be will be doing. Yeah. So uh, all that said, I wanted to say thank you for listening, everyone. And Evan, do you have anything, any final word before I sign off? Well, I don't have a comic book near me, so I can't read my random speech bubble. So I'll just say, uh, live long and prosper. And I am going to say, Godspeed. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast, hosted by Ben Avery, Evan David, Steve McDonald, and Dr. Jason Neal. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Lethel. We'd love for you to join the conversation by going to our website at strangersandaliens.com where you'll find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com. Or you can join our social media conversations by following us on Twitter where we are at Strange and Alien or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangersandaliens. Or leave us a voicemail by calling the Strangers and Aliens hotline. That number is 1-804-378. Once again, thanks for listening.
So here there be spoilers. Arr. Arr. Yeah, uh, that's creepy. 